book of Luke. And he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee and the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the publican, standing afar off, would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified, rather than the other. For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. I want to preach to you tonight with the help of the Lord on a message entitled, Servant or Slave? Servant or Slave? Let us pray. Reverend Tuig, sir, would you please pray over our message and messenger? Amen. You may be seated. Jesus told wonderful stories. Wonderful stories that we can all relate with. Matter of fact, if we would change the setting a little bit, maybe we could retell this story tonight about two people who went into church. One looked around and, and said, I am so glad that I'm a Christian. I am so much better than all of these folks who maybe they don't look as good as I do. They don't do as much as I do. I give, I fast, I work in the nursery, I sing in the choir, I play an instrument, I may teach or preach. I'm not as these folks, or as this homeless dude, or as this lady who never does anything. And in the same church, somebody else who comes in, very shy, very hesitant. And when altar call time comes, you find them at the altar with tears in their eyes, saying, God, be merciful to me. When I read that story, I have to ask the question. Because whenever you read a story, you always subtly or openly put yourself in the story. And when I read the story, the question I ask is, which guy am I? Which guy am I? And I'll tell you, 
The answer tonight is yes. Sometimes I'm the guy who looks down on others, whether openly or subtly. Sometimes I'm the person that recognizes I have a great need in my life. You see, if we don't admit that sometimes we're looking outward at others instead of inward at ourselves, it just goes to show how blind we are to our true state. It shows how oblivious we may be to ourselves. I read to you this evening, here in the book of Luke, and perhaps you would wonder what the, the title comes from. There's a difference between a slave and a servant. I think it was last year, maybe two years ago, there were some star players for the Pittsburgh Steelers, who, that's from from, so I kind of follow them and support them. And these star players were fleeing the team. And I kind of scratched my head because they have a great head coach by the name of Mike Tomlin. And he didn't seem to be doing anything to keep these guys in the team. And after they asked Mr. Tomlin, they said, why don't you do something? And he said this, we want volunteers, not hostages. We want people that want to be on the team, not those who are forced to be on the team. And at the time, I was amazed because some of these guys were like some of the best of the best, but when they left the team, their downfall was precipitous. It was quick. And it just goes to show that the coach was right after all. The fact that they couldn't get along with that team was a sign of something far deeper than just their, their desire to be in another uniform. It was their inability to get along with the other players, the culture, the requirements. And so when we think about a servant and a slave, you almost get the same answer. What's the difference between a servant and a slave? Well, a servant does what they do willingly. Now they may not get the paid, and you could think of it as the same as an employee. Because really a servant is an employee. They do what they do, and they get something in return. And so they show up to work, and they work hard because they know at the end of those eight hours and the 40 hours, and maybe every two weeks or every month, they're going to get a paycheck. But a slave does what they do because they're forced to. A slave doesn't have any say-so in the matter. They're made to get up. They're made to eat whatever is given them. They're made to do the work. And there's no willingness involved. A slave is held against his or her will and made to do what they don't want to do. And so then you, you begin to ask the question as God relates it to us. Because God said that the greatest in God's kingdom was he who would be the servant of all. Now, you've probably heard that verse before, haven't you? Now, here's my question to you. Be honest. Have you ever felt like you were serving somebody 
but you didn't get something back for it? I have. Have you ever felt like you're putting in, but you're not getting anything back? And so what is the result? Humanly, sometimes that result is, I don't want to serve them anymore. But God didn't give us that option. He said that we were to be the servant of all. He said that we are to love even the unlovable. It's loud up here. I'm not sure if it's loud up there. If it is, well, help us out. Try to turn it down up here some. I want you to think about this because much of our discontent is based upon how we feel others treat us. I want to say it again. Much of our discontent is based upon how we feel others treat us. Now, I want you to see how silly that is. Because you cannot control how somebody else treats you. And there are some people who all of their life are miserable because every day they walk around saying, this guy didn't treat me right. That one didn't say hello to me. And I don't think I'm getting what I'm due. And I think I'm entitled to more. And all of their life they're completely miserable. Instead of an attitude of gratitude and gratefulness of what God has given them and what they get to experience, they're constantly critical because others have not met the standard that they think they should in dealing with them. And there are people that all their life live this entitled, frustrated, unhappy life. Do you know somebody like that? You can ruin your whole life measuring, competing, watching, and listening to what others say or do and be piping hot mad about it and can't change a thing. So what do you do when you are serving, because God wants us to be the servant of all, what do you do, (laughs) what about this, when God says, when you have done all that you were asked to do, consider yourself an unprofitable servant. Keep on doing it. What do you do when God said, what do you, when, your, when your servant comes in, what do, you, do you tell him to come and sit down and eat food? Or do you tell him, hey, first go and serve me, and after all the work's done, then you get to eat? You still with me? Remember, this is Bible, right? Oh, man. Preacher, you better not be applying that to us. Well, let me go on. We can have... One person said, if we continue to have expectations about how others should act based upon what we've told them or what we've taught them, we will be upset because we cannot control how somebody deals with the knowledge that we give them. You can give them the knowledge to become better and they can take it and throw it out the window. You can give them the knowledge to become a better Christian and they can ignore you. You can give them the knowledge how to get out of debt. You can give them the knowledge how to have a better marriage. You can give them the knowledge how to get to heaven. And if you sit back and get frustrated and mad and upset because they're not doing something with what I told them to do, you will continue to be frustrated all of your life because nobody does everything that you tell them to do. Parents, husbands and wives, amen. Like one husband said, 
something along the lines of, why, why can't my wife believe me when I tell her that I'll get it done? If I don't get it done in the first six months, just ask me again. Amen? <laughs> That's rough. Now, I'm not saying that we should not believe in others. We should. But our happiness or fulfillment can't be based upon whether they are doing what they told them or listening to our advice. And so what do you do when you have served but you don't get served? When you have given but it hasn't been reciprocated? When you have loved but aren't loved in return? Didn't Jesus give us the very best answer by his life? Didn't he show us exactly what to do? Because he came unto his own, the Bible says, and his own received him not. He poured into the disciples, but when he needed them the most, all of them had fled. He taught us, and he teaches us, and he gives us strength. And yet so often, we end up coming up short. What does he do? Does he stop and say, that's it, I'm tired of you? No, he continues to pour, and he continues to give, and we love him for it. And so he teaches us that if we let me put it to you this way. If you are gauging your willingness to serve by how much you are getting in return, you are probably serving for a selfish reason instead of a selfless reason. Because we really didn't have much to offer Jesus. He had all the gold and all the silver and all the praises of the angels. And, and our pitiful little amount that wasn't very much to give to him. But he considered it worth dying for. He considered it worth going to hell for. It wasn't because he was trying to get something back for us. It was because, get it now, he loved us. And so service is based upon love, not upon an expectation of return. And if we understand that, we begin to be free. Why? Because I can love you, and I can serve you, and you cannot give me a crying thing all your life, and I can still be happy, and I can give my life and lay down my life, and you can lay down your life for a cause and not see any results and still be happy because you're doing it for love. Instead of doing it for a selfish expectation of return. Sometimes we, we serve and people feel entitled to our service. And we begin to resent our serving. That may indicate that we're doing it for the wrong reason. Check this out. We know the Bible said that we reap what we sow. And I cannot control the reaping. If I plant in the springtime... I can't control what's going to happen in the fall. Now, I might water it, fertilize it, and weed it. But if a tornado comes by and yanks up my crop, there's not a whole lot I can do about that. If a, if a plague comes by and locusts eat up everything that I planted, there's not much I can do about that. So I cannot control the reaping, but I can control the sowing. And God tells me, if I sow... I will reap. Now, the truth of the matter is sometimes we're expecting the reaping in the same field that we've sowed in. Now, in natural sense, that's almost how it has to be. You sow in a field and you expect a, a result from that field. But in the spiritual sense, we often sow in one field and we reap in another. 
we give love or we show concern or we show Christ-likeness or we, we, we witness the gospel to somebody and then somebody else responds. I'm reminded of a pastor. He went out to start a brand new church. He said he spent all day on uh, the weeks leading up to the opening service knocking on doors and inviting people. And he said of all those people he invited, zero came. But on that opening service, there were 34 people in church. He had sowed. He didn't reap in the field, he thought. But God had given him a harvest. Amen? So now we would say, but wait a second, preacher. If I'm not guaranteed a harvest from the field that I'm sowing in, then why should I sow at all? I'll tell you why. Because if you don't sow, you're absolutely guaranteed that you'll get zero harvest. There's no such thing as a risk venture. Every time you get in the car, every time you walk up, uh, walk down the street, every time you eat some food, there may be a, uh, there may be a chance that the meat was bad. There may be a chance that the, the lettuce was contaminated with salmonella. There may be a chance somebody driving down the street takes their eyes off the road, looks at their cell phone, swerves and kills you. There's no such thing as a risk-free venture. And so you say, I'm only going to sow if it's a sure thing. Well, you're never going to sow then. But God tells us that we should sow, sow in love, sow in tears, that we should care, that we should give of ourselves, that we should lay down our lives, and that we can expect the result, but it may not always be the same field that we've sown in. You may pour your life into somebody, and you never see the result. But years later, somebody else comes. And they love God and they serve alongside you for years and years. You're reaping in a different field. Do you follow me? So every time I come to church, I have a choice. I can look outward like the publican. I can show off all of my credentials. I fast twice a week. I pay tithes of all that I possess. I'm in a, a nice suit. I'm not like this filthy publican. You can't even hardly imagine this guy praying this way. And it seems as if he was even referring to the guy that was right there. He said, I'm not like this filthy publican. We can come with our eyes outward. Or we can come with our eyes inward. Now here's a, a little secret. When it comes to us, we should look within. Because there's nobody else besides you and God that are going to deal with you. Amen? There's nobody else besides you and God that are going to deal with you. So when it comes to us, I come to the house of God, I should open up my heart and say, man, this message is for me. This preaching is for me. This, this word of God is for me. Let me look within. Sometimes maybe I'm critical. Sometimes maybe I look at somebody with a, a lack of love and not a right spirit. Am I pushing them away? Am I driving them away? Do I really think that I'm better than somebody else? When it comes to myself, I should look within. But when it comes to others, I should forget about self and look without. How can I serve them? How can I love them? Because I am not going to be fulfilled only serving myself. Let me go on a little bit wrong. In noticing wrong, I look within. I'm to be less selfish and more selfless. It's a little boy, and I'm, I'm about done. 
Junior a few minutes tonight. The little boy that went to um, his grade school on the night before Valentine's Day, he had stayed up and he had cut uh, cardboard and construction paper and made Valentines for all of his classmates. And his mother watched him. I mean, he, he worked through the night, lost some sleep. And his mother was concerned because she knew he wasn't the popular kid in class. And she didn't know what was going to happen the next day. And so it was with some nervousness that she looked out the window and saw him returning from school, talking to himself as he got off the bus. And he said, not one, not even one. And the mother's heart began to beat. She thought, oh, no. Nobody gave him any valentines. His heart's broken. But as he kept on talking, he said, not one. I didn't forget not one of my classmates. I was able to give them all a valentine. And then she realized he wasn't concerned about what he was getting. He was concerned about what he was giving. If you're frustrated tonight, if you're feeling like I'm not getting enough, Maybe it's time to turn the tables. And instead of sitting back saying, what am I getting? What am I getting for this? Begin to think, what can I give? How can I serve somebody? How can I love somebody? I saw a deal, a little autistic boy. His family was from Ghana. And they had a little keyboard in the basement. They don't know how it happened. But one day the father heard the little autistic boy. He must have been, he must have been young, five, six, seven, something like that. Heard him playing the piano. And he wasn't just plunking around. I mean, the dude was jamming. And they couldn't figure out how he had learned. And it became, when they asked him about it, he said, the little boy said, it's a miracle. It's a miracle. And someone found out about it, a man that was a piano tuner. The man that was a piano tuner took the inheritance that his father had given him, $15,000, and he bought a grand piano to give to this boy whose parents didn't have much, weren't going to be able to do that for him. And then he paid that he would be able to continue his piano education. And the little clip showed the man happened to be, the little boy was black man, black boy, and the, little, and the man was a white man. It showed him with his arm around him, teaching him. And it said, this is what community is all about. Caring for others as if they were your own. And I thought, man, isn't that awesome? Hey, Christian, I love you. I care about you. I see some of you have been frustrated. Some of you are, are walking around like, this. I haven't gotten what I deserve. Why don't we change that? Why don't we say, Lord, let me give my time, my effort, my love, my prayers, my concerns. Let me make a difference and not expect anything. I know that God will take care of me in the long run. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? Lord, we thank you tonight for touching us.
Take up the bucket, the towel, to wash someone's feet, to pick them up, to care for a child, to pray for a family member, a neighbor, to reach out to them and make a difference. Father, I don't want to be a slave held here, forced against my will. I want to be a willing servant, surrendering my life for your cause. Father, I pray for those here tonight. If they are not, there are those who are not Christians. I pray that they would come to you and find cleansing, forgiveness, a purpose, a joy in living for others. God, we give you thanks and we give you praise in Jesus' wonderful name.